0: Hello and welcome back to Speedrun, the Fast Talking Video Game Podcast, where we talk about pretty much anything weird, retro or otherwise that interests us. I, as always, am Jamie.
1: I am always am Jazzy.
0: And joining us today is the one and only uh, sales, I guess, sales head of Galactic Battleground. Joe, did I get that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm the sales lead for Galactic Battleground, which is uh, under the studio of Slackers Inc. And then I also am the lead and creator of Indie Arcade Wave.
0: Excellent. So today, what we're focused on is talking about both indie games and also arcade games and creating new arcade games as well. Uh, Instead of the usual 15 to 20 minute time limit, we're actually going to be edging more around the 30 minute time limit because I feel like we have a lot to talk about today. But first, speedrun is made. Oh,
1: speedrun right. is made.
0: Punk. Oh, yeah! I'm remembering the the, the sponsor plug for once.
1: <laughs> the thing I always forget to do. I'm
0: I'm remember- You see, I'm a, I'm on the ball today. I'm feeling it. I have the energy. I'm vibing. I'm. Well, what I am is I'm made possible in part by Podbean. You see, our podcast is hosted by Podbean and they offer some of the best podcast hosting on the internet. Whether you want, want your podcast on iTunes, uh, Spotify, just the Podbean app, or pretty much any other major platform, you can put them up, put it out on all of them simultaneously using Podbean's hosting. While there are free options available, we actually use their paid hosting and it's fantastic. And if you'd like to get some good deals on that, then head over to podbean.com slash speedrun or use the code speedrun at checkout. So if that, should I start the timer? And Jazzy, would you like to begin with the questions?
1: I would like to begin with questions, but first, I would like to apologize to everyone because I forgot to silence my keyboard, and when I was moving my XLR cables around, I accidentally, like... Beep smacked the caps lock key and it goes so if you hear that in the recording it's me i'm so sorry (laughs) that's a me thing i promise i mean the computer yelling at you
0: it's it's okay we get it you know not all not all keyboards are uh sometimes your keyboard just just does a thing. You have to vibe with it. I don't know. I'm I've been in a good keyboardy mood lately. I finally got a mechanical board, but I guess that's a topic for another episode.
1: <laughs> but do you know what's better than mechanical keycaps?
0: What's better than mechanical keycaps? Because I don't know if there's anything better than that.
1: Uh, you're dead wrong. That is called arcade buttons. So, that being said, Joe, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we're really excited to talk to you, um, please tell us about your game, uh, Galactic Battleground.
2: Well, Galactic Battleground is a it's a pretty long story um, in the making at this point, and I kind of jumped in, um, I wouldn't say halfway in, but I jumped in a few years after they originally developed it. Um, it was developed by a friend of mine and his stepdad, uh, Dylan and Kelly, um, who created Slackers, Inc. Kelly has been coding for many years now. And he primarily focused on apps when apps kind of started moving into um, the realm of a good way to make money as a programmer. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he made a whole handful of apps and he needed art. He's not an artist, but his stepson is. So Dylan made him a whole bunch of art. And that later turned into you owe me. Um, Because at that point, he was pretty young. And he was like, Okay, I want to make a game. Let's make a game. And sure. The, the first game that always mm. comes to mind at least for me personally and i guess dylan was in the same boat here uh one of my favorite all-time arcade games is galaga like nice leaps and bounds um, it's an nice. incredibly fun game and i have a ton of memories of playing it when i was younger my dad had one of the uh the little mini cabs i don't even know if they make them anymore um mm. you can get them as like keychains now but they were quite a bit bigger back then and like
0: the, the ones or
2: a lot smaller than that it was like a I don't know it was like a big water bottle i don't like that about that size it's it's really hard to explain because i've i've never seen them anywhere else other than the one that he had so it must have been like a a pretty limited Mm. run um but dylan really really wanted to make a galaga and it was just originally he wanted to make galaga kelly looked on the, the apple store and other places where you could get games at that time i believe this was like 2015. Mm-hmm. um and notice that there were a whole bunch of games out with like 10 downloads so if you're just going to remake galaga the time it's going to take to do that it's, it's not really worth it and it turned into well then let's make it a player versus player because you can't really play galaga player versus player and they developed the game as a one versus one and it was really really basic at the time and they took it to a convention here in minneapolis Um, called 2d con and this was very very early in their days of 2d con they brought it on an apple tv with the apple controllers and that was pretty much how they ran the game they they were pretty much just testing the waters to see if anybody was interested and they had quite a few people that played it a lot um, while they were there and they actually had one kid that um Kelly couldn't remember his name. And we always give him a shout out anytime we tell the story because this kid is pretty much the reason why they continued to pursue it. Um, he was about 14 and he sat down at the game the first day of the convention and played for about two and a half hours before he got up. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. then he came back every day. It was a, a weekend convention and played for a few hours a day and then would leave and come back and leave and come back. And he just, he played it more than anybody else at the entire convention. And that kind of came full circle when we brought it back in 2019. I'm kind of jumping around, but just to give him a shout-out, in 2019, he came back and asked if we remembered him, and Kelly did recognize him, and he was at that point playing it on the arcade cabinet. So shout-out to him, the kid that played in 2016. Um, You're the reason the game continued moving, pretty much, because they saw that. They saw that, and they really appreciated it. So... That then turned into um, early 2017. I went to a concert with Dylan, and he figured the best time to show me this game was at three o'clock in the morning after we got back from concert. Of course, and he was absolutely right. Of he was absolutely right. Um, I played it, and I think before the game was even over, I asked, "How can I get involved?" Oh, uh, wow. Because I've always, always wanted to be involved in the creation of a video game um, ever since. Cliff Bozinski's uh, press release, believe it was at like the Xbox announcement or uh, E3 or something when they were talking about Gears of War 2. Mm-hmm. Um, that pretty much, mm-hmm. that was that was the moment I was like, ooh, this would be something really fun to do as a career. Um, and I think I was maybe just starting high school at that point. Um, maybe still in middle school, something like that. But um, that then turned into uh, them building the prototype of the arcade cabinet because we have an arcade here called uptown arcade in uptown minneapolis um and they have a whole bunch of games in there and they told us that they'd be willing to give us a trial run just to see how the game does and it was built in a garage and it very much looks like it was built in a garage um but it's a it's a really fun cabinet lots of space to play and it then turned into a four-player game as well. So now you've got two people playing on the top, two people playing on the bottom, um, in a space battle with power-ups and debris and obstacles, and it's just, it gets very hectic, just kind of like Galaga does. Um, and so from there, we took it to a whole bunch of conventions, and we thought we were really the only ones doing this other than, um, if you guys have ever heard of Killer Queen. Have you heard of that game?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so they've recently ported to uh, Killer Queen Black, which is on the the Switch, and they're on Steam. And incredibly popular game. Great guys have done interviews with uh, the creator and a whole bunch of people in their scene. And they have been a huge inspiration to us as well, uh, pushing forward. But we met um, a whole bunch of the indie guys at another convention in Milwaukee um, called MGC, and that was in 2018 where we met the guys behind Death Ball, um, Tony Halber, and we mm. met Dan, who mm-hmm. um, created Switch and Shoot, or he built the cabinet for Switch and Shoot. Uh, the creator is Matt Glanville. I just did an interview with him uh, that went live today. And he's out in Leeds um, in the UK. Um, and then we met, oh, man, who else did we meet at that convention? There's so many. Um, we met Shane and Dave from Cosmotron's which is another indie, and at this point, we realized that there actually is a pretty large scene and that this is something that could be done. It's definitely a a route um, that we could take. And that was just further solidified by some of the people that were at the convention. Uh, Midwest Gaming Classic is a convention in Milwaukee that is all about video games and video game history. They have pretty much every game that's ever been been made by means of consoles for sure um, they had like the early Apple um, computers with Oregon Trail on it and they had um, all the Ataris the Segas all the Nintendo systems the Xboxes Glico um, Vision just they they had all these games out for you to play which is really cool um, to look at the history of video games and how far it's come in that time um, right. I guess mm-hmm. moving forward forward from there we just kept going to conventions um in milwaukee we met uh billy mitchell if you guys are familiar with him he mm-hmm. uh held the world mm-hmm. record for donkey kong and pac-man for a long time um and we also played with uh eugene jarvis who is the owner of raw thrills um, he created defender um i'm blanking on some of the other games that he he made but he's a, a, a huge deal in the the arcade scene and it was great to meet him um so I guess it, it pretty much from there was just modifying the design of the game, uh, modifying multiplayer, or multiplayer, and continuing to go to conventions. We went to uh, 2DCon in 2018, um, went in 2019. We went to MGC 2019 and 2018. Uh, Combo Breakers, which is a big fighting game tournament in Chicago, uh, I'm yet to go. I've had uh, circumstances that didn't allow me to go in 2018 and nineteen, and then Obviously, with the, the state of the world, 2020 was a, a throwaway year. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and then I guess that that kind of brings me to the beginning of Indie Arcade Wave, which was um, wanting to bring all of the indie guys together. There's, there's a whole bunch of us, and I feel like we aren't very coordinated in um, marketing the scene and bringing more people from just general gamers into this indie scene. Because um, there is a huge indie game scene, just for games, but not so much for the arcade. Um, and this happened primarily when I was in Las Vegas um, for Amusement Expo International in 2019, where the whole Bumblebear team, the creators of Killer Queen, were out there and we got to meet them and talk with them and started talking about coming together as a community, which then led to Bumble Bash um, October of 2019 in Tennessee. Um, where they held their national convention for all the best Killer Queen players. And for anybody that's played Killer Queen or has not played Killer Queen, it's it's like Joust um, meets a th- three-way victory. It's it's so hard to describe because there's so many things going on. but I feel it's, that's it's a good way to put it. It's
1: a very yeah.
2: hectic, fast game where there's a lot of little mechanics that you need to really catch up on. And when you play with people that are the best in the country um, it really shows how bad you are and I am absolutely terrible at the game even though I really enjoy playing it but playing with these people down there it really showed me how much the community means to the Killer Queen guys um, at Bumblebear and it just made me want to be involved with that scene more than I mean even just having Galactic Battleground as a route to get to know these people and get to develop this scene was really cool so I created Indie Arcade Wave so that I could support other developers and promote their games, let people know about them, and just let people know that we're here. Like, you can create a game and put it in an arcade cabinet if you want to. It's an option.
1: Coming from a uh, musician's background, uh, in my previous phase of life, I was a working musician here in the Cleveland punk rock scene, and I've transitioned to a producer in that regard, and one thing that was very, very important was the DIY anti-label, like, community aspect of it. And it sounds like you've absolutely cultivated uh, something similar. So to me, that is, like, this is awesome. Would you kind of, like, agree with that sentiment, or what do you think?
2: Yeah, I would would definitely agree with that. Um, Pretty much everybody that's in the scene, um, I know a lot of the big developers... That I've spoken to um, kind of started out working for like a bigger studio um, like I know Nikita from Killer Queen he actually worked on some of the Spongebob games for THQ oh,
1: wow. um, oh, sweet.
2: and that was kind of one of the areas that he started in so he did work for a big studio and then I spoke with uh, Matt Glanville who created Switch and Shoot which is another really popular um, indie arcade game and he Oh, I hope I didn't. I don't get this wrong because I just talked to him a couple days ago. But I, he worked for EA um, and worked on one of the Outer Worlds projects. Ooh. Um, Ooh. So, like, they came from a background of working for a large studio and just found that there is a market where they could do what they want to do on their own and mm. have kind of split off and created their own mm. studios um, and become more um, versatile as creators. Um, stepping up and moving into art um moving deeper into development maybe working more on coding which they weren't so proficient in to begin with um but i've i found it really interesting i mean you bringing that up is is definitely something that i would agree with because as as someone in the indie scene we we do everything on our own mm-hmm. um we mm-hmm. we try and do it without a lot of overhead and some of these teams are very small i mean the Bumblebear team, for how big Killer Queen is, I don't think they're bigger than like 12 or 15 people on their whole team. And that's um, pretty and big by in indie standards. That's huge by indie standards.
0: That's, that's, that's massive.
2: Yeah, I think they have something like 80 cabinets out in the wild. Um, and they are international as well. And then you look at like Deathball, which is literally just Tony Hauber. Like it's, it's just him. He did all the art, he did all the coding. Um, he even builds his own cabinets. He's outsourced it a little bit now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, it's someone in his hometown that builds his cabinets. It's, it's small businesses supporting small businesses is really what the indie scene has come down to.
1: And I actually did have a question, um, about the cabinets. Hopefully this isn't too much of a skirt like detour. Um, but when I was on the site and I was like going through a site, I was like, this is awesome. I saw the cabinets, and not only are they beautiful, I saw that they use uh, flat panel displays instead of the classic CRT. Uh, what was yep. the decision process behind that? Was it just like availability of parts, or digital easier, or what's the T?
2: Kind of both. Um, I know when we originally were looking at building the cabinet, um, I don't know. Have you ever picked up a CRT?
1: Oh, too many. Times. Yeah, oh, I have. <laughs>
2: That that in itself is is big. They're they're very heavy, um, and it's hard to find one that's in really good condition. Like, as someone who who loves the arcade, um, I would rather see an RT, a CRT go into an old cabinet as a restoration mm. than to pull it in for a new game, because we have that. so many so many that. great games that you you want to be available still. And when the screen goes out on a game, that's a huge problem because <laughs> um, all the components are wired up to, to run via CRT. So um, that's something that was a first thought for us. The other thing was we built the first prototype. Um, we had uh, a friend of ours, Brody, build it, and he built it in his garage. So the move was, what's going to be the easiest thing for us to get? What's going to be the safest in this cabinet? What will resonate well with what we've coded on? As well as, I mean, there, there were a lot of factors, and... It just, it was a good price. Um, It was very light. Um, And those were the really, really big things that we wanted. It also had a good um, viewing angle on it too. Um, I know Kelly spoke about this. Uh, Maybe it was Dan too, but I I can't remember. But um, there are different kinds of flat screens that some only have like a, a five to 10 degree difference that you can see it. And if you get too far, then you can no longer see what's on the screen. So we had to go with one that you could actually see standing on the side of the cabinet since we have the players spread out. Um, so those are all things that that played into why we went with that screen. And developing the new cabinet model, um, we just stuck with it because it's a lot easier. It's lighter, easier to move. And it's just, it's probably not going to go bad like a CRT could.
1: Right. And looking at the site, right. um, I'm, I'm sure that's uh, what helps with... Um... The price tag on the cabinets, which for those listening at home is uh, six thousand for the deluxe stand-up cabinet, and then for a cocktail table, you're looking at two and a half, which is a really good price for a brand new arcade cabinet. Cab.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say uh, so because I've checked out the site uh, rather extensively, and I've seen the the part where y'all actually go through uh, the creation of the prototype cabs. Mm-hmm. What led to the decision to also make a cocktail variant as well? Because I know cocktail cabs are very popular.
2: So that kind of, uh, I think that just happened because the people that we decided to partner up with, uh, Paradise Arcade, they're they're really big in the the fighting game community, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why we went to Combo mm-hmm. Breakers with them. Um, They do a lot of their business selling uh, components for Fight Sticks, and they also uh, restore old arcade cabinets and supply them as a coin operator in the area of of Minneapolis. Um, So they kind of created their own little venture that they wanted to sell. Um, I don't really know what the status was is now, but uh, what they did is they created this kind of all-in-one cocktail cabinet, and it had, um, I think, like 80-plus games on it. Um, and the idea was you could buy it and then you could put these games on it, basically just grabbing ROM off of the internet. And they built a whole bunch of them. I think they had like 50 or 60 of them in the warehouse and they weren't marketing. So they were kind of just sitting on all these cabinets that they had made and they're They're this really nice two player cocktail cabinet. Um, and they pretty much were like, well, why don't we just put black battleground in it? And that, that's, that's really all it was. They were like, we'll change the art on the top. And we'll just put your guys' board in there instead of having this 80-in-1 uh, board. And it'll just be another option for people, um, primarily more for, like, their basement. It's it's just an easier price tag for someone to grab and throw in their their basement and or a bar. You know, if it's a bar that doesn't have a lot of arcade games and they just want, like, something for the kids to play or they just want something smaller, um, it's a great option instead of grabbing the, the $6,000 upright
1: right and mm-hmm. i love cocktails because being able to like put a drink and then play and then continue to get worse as at the game as it continues <laughs> and everything is something that i definitely enjoy um this is this is also a technical question because you know we're nerds here and we love like oh you tell me about the capacitors <laughs> um this is in regards to the actual engine because I was on the website and I checked out the demo, which uses the Unity web player. Um, how did uh, you all come to decide on using Unity as the engine of choice? Was it the ability to use JavaScript and C Sharp, or was it just the ability to deploy to all kinds of platforms? Or Tell us about that.
2: So I actually am not on the coding side. I have talked to Kelly about this um, a little bit, so I'll, I'll give you the best answer i can Mm -hmm. um i know that he primarily works in unity so that is definitely the um a familiar language to him um he he can code in just about anything but unity is his preferred um, language and i know that he did really like the um, flexibility of unity with it being so compatible with everything Um, the idea of potentially releasing to steam which is something that we're still kind of playing with we'd want to tweak the game a little bit before we did that um but it gives him the flexibility to drop it pretty much anywhere um putting it on the website was pretty easy for him um throwing it i think we originally ran it on a windows machine um before we decided to move to linux Mm -hmm. um just because Mm -hmm. we were encountering a lot of uh just lag issues and memory backup um so it's it's more just familiarity to him and just, yeah I mean what you said pretty much is just the ease of transitioning to other platforms and I know it it writes pretty pretty good towards like uh, Xbox and PlayStation and it, there's not too much to tweak
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: but it has given us a lot of flexibility with mm-hmm. uh, demoing the game because not everybody can come to us to try it so it's it's allowed us to let some other arcades just demo it right over the internet and um, I think that's the primary reason he he went with Unity is he was just He was already working in it.
1: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really quick to those listening at home if you want to check out Galactic Battleground, um, the website where you can play is galacticbattleground.com. If you want to play a cabinet, uh, you can find that at Can Can Wonderland in St. Paul, Minnesota, Starcade in Roseville, Minnesota um voodoo brewery in homestead pennsylvania quarter world arcade in portland oregon and social axe throwing in ogden utah um or best option you can support this awesome team and buy the cab because this thing is really really cool um how else can people like spread the word and support the development and the studio
2: so, I mean, the biggest thing really is just letting people know about the game. Um, following us on social media is huge, um, just so that we can kind of get that out there. And then we have done um, a little bit of merch. We are between seasons right now, so we did not print any more hoodies, um, but we did just get a, a batch of T-shirts in, um, so you can grab a T-shirt if, you, if you're interested in that. Um, but really, I mean, all it is is just spreading the word. That's that's the biggest thing at this point. Um, we're not doing any like uh, Patreons or anything for the studio because it's something we're just kind of doing for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, once once everything opens back up and arcades are an option, conventions are an option. Um, just letting your local arcades know about us is huge. Um, just that that name recognition helps a ton for anybody in the scene.
1: Absolutely.
0: And actually, on that. Something I wanted to ask about, because uh, I know some of the people who actually uh, listen to the podcast uh, locally to where I am, at least either uh, run or work at uh, a local arcade, which is only open to limited capacity right now, of course, or uh, work at one of the the game stores here that has arcade machines in them. Is there anything for that for them, particularly as Canadian arcade owners that they need to keep in mind if they want to order a machine?
2: Um, At this point. Uh, not that we know of. Um, I think it, it would just be a little more expensive to ship it. Um, mm. I don't think there is like any kind of big thing that we need to deal with by means of like international sales. Um, I know once you get off of the North American content, it, uh, continent, it, it becomes a little bit more of a headache. Um, but I don't think there should be too much um, if you're interested in it as, as a Canadian arcade owner.
0: Excellent, because... From what I've seen as well, and I just really want to get this note as we go into the last minute on the timer, that this, the deluxe cabinet especially, looks like such a perfect social arcade game, because I really do love that y'all went for the option of uh, having the spectator screen on it.
1: Yes.
2: I yeah, think that
0: is such a brilliant idea.
2: That's a, a big shout out to Tony at Deathball. Ball. Um, he did that first, and we thought it was a great idea and asked him how he did it. And he just sent us the mount and the screen on Amazon was like, just grab it.
0: Nice. Very nice because yeah. And, and I was going to mention as well, because uh, that's a timer going off, but I have one very quick uh, question as well. Uh, you mentioned steam, but are there plans to bring it to any other platforms as well? Or right now, is it just coming to an arcade near you.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, the arcade is definitely priority for us uh steam is an option we have looked uh potentially towards like switch and xbox um and playstation i mean there's there's not really any reason why we couldn't get it to all of those systems um the big thing right now is we just don't feel that the single player is up to par for a uh, console so we were we will be reworking that um before we would release to anything
1: I was over I here in my that. studio. I just muted the mic because I, on my desk, I went itch, 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 itch. I've been on like an itchio <laughs> kick lately, and I'm just like, put it on itch.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that we would we would think about because um, I know I've I've spoke with a couple other developers that put their games on itch, and they seem to be happy with that decision.
1: Awesome.
0: No, absolutely. So on that note. Where can folks find you and where can folks learn more about Galactic Battleground in addition to, uh, of course, galacticbattleground.com?
2: Um, you can find us pretty much on any social media. I know we're on uh, Twitter. It's not our most active, um, just at Galactic Battleground. I believe it's like uh, GBG the game. Um, and then on Facebook and Instagram are probably our, our primary places. Um, other than our website, those, those are the places that you can find us for sure. Awesome. Excellent. Jamie, so one again, thank you,
0: That's all I got. Joe, thank you very much for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And as always, I, I have been Jamie. I have been Jazzy. And this has been Speedrun. Thank you again to Podbean for making this possible. Remember to check them out if you would like some great podcast uh, hosting of your own at podbean.com slash speedrun or uh, use the code speedrun at checkout. You can find us Uh, at stuff, we play on Twitter, uh, me at Jamie at stuff, we play.com. If you have ideas for future episodes, or of course you can message Jazzy at Jazzy at stuff, we play.com. This podcast is a part of stuff. We play. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash stuff. We play, and maybe even check out our discord server as well. Did I forget anything?
1: Uh, you stream.
0: And I stream witch.tv slash jamie underscore plays underscore stop. You should totally so, play Galactic Battlegrounds on your stream, Jamie, I'm just saying. My, I could, you know, I could, sh- I would love to do another Indie Showcase stream.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can send you uh, some games to check out and uh, if anybody's interested in checking out my podcast, that's going to be In the Scene from Indie Arcade Wave on YouTube, uh, Instagram, pretty much everything. That's the easiest way to find it awesome
0: excellent so with that thank you very much for listening stay classy and we'll see you next time
1: that was a very chill outro bye